We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, back here on a Wednesday after we just heard from Bills head coach Sean McDermott live from down here at One Bills Drive, Sal Capaccio. That's where I am. Sneaky Joe DiBiase in our Amherst studios. Uh, McDermott talking about practice today and mentioning that everybody on the active roster will participate in some capacity. It is a walkthrough. We also know that Kyer Elam has been activated to the roster. They did have an open roster spot. No word on Daquan Jones yet. McDermott said they'll see where that goes throughout the week. Of course, there would have to be a corresponding roster move, but he also said, good news, that A.J. Epinesa and Micah Hyde are both improving. Those are the words that he used, Sean McDermott, a little while ago. Right now, we're going to welcome in our good friend, Evan Lazar on the West Her Hotline to talk about the Patriots. You can find him at Easy Lazar on X slash Twitter and, of course, at Patriots.com. Joe, I just realized we are having Evan on today not only to talk about the Patriots, but it's also a night in which the Sabres play the Bruins, and yeah, Evan's a big yeah. Bruins fan and cover, and, uh, out there in Boston. So, Evan, welcome in on a uh, dual Buffalo-Boston next few days here, I guess. I, I feel like Bruins fans take this day off, though, Evan. They probably know what's, or feel like they know what's going to happen tonight. <laughs> I, the, the Bruins do have the Sabres number, and I, I looked at the schedule, and I saw that, that game. I was like, ah, oh, this game was on Saturday, then we could have done the little double dip yeah. while we're in Buffalo, you know? So, yeah. missed it by a few days, unfortunately. No, but you know what? Sabres did win in Boston earlier this year, Joe, and they won in Boston yeah, last year. That's true. But but in large, I think I, I actually looked this up the other day that like their record against the Bruins during this playoff drought is it's I, I don't have it off the top of my head, but it's like the worst record by any team against another opponent like in the NHL wow. in the last decade, something like that. So I I, like I would say this, Evan. <laughs> I, I'd say this. I think to try to tie this into football, the Bruins this year kind of remind me of what the Bills are, which is I don't care what kind of regular season you have. If you don't get to the ultimate goal and hoist a trophy at the end, it was not a successful season. Is that basically the way it is after what happened last year with the Bruins? Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people in Boston with the Bruins are kind of out on the Bruins until they prove them otherwise, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Like, obviously, everybody's still paying attention and going to games, but uh, nobody can really be confident or have faith in the Bruins at the moment. And I would say uh, to a lesser extent, but also somewhat true with the Celtics too, you know, until either one of those teams finally gets over the hump and and wins a championship, uh, then I don't think anybody in Boston is going to count on them uh, to succeed in the postseason at a high level. So uh, we'll see what happens. Obviously the Celtics have the best record in the NBA and the Bruins are right up there in hockey, they've been on a little losing skid here recently, so uh, they might have dropped out of the top spot. I'm not, I'm not sure, but uh, both those teams were at one point uh, reading, leading their respective leagues in, uh, in, in points and wins, obviously, in the NBA. Evan, is this the last game Bill Belichick's going to coach against the Buffalo Bills, at least on the sidelines for the Patriots? It's definitely possible. I, I think that there right now is a little bit of uncertainty about Bill's future just because I would say that the last couple of weeks of the season and and maybe the last few weeks since the bye week for the Patriots have 
really been about uh, Robert Kraft kind of doing an audit of his his team and of his organization to find out what are truly the the biggest reasons for their four and eleven record and is it bill is it the program is it a personnel is it coaching you know all those types of things and if it all comes down to uh, the, the things at the top you know personnel and coaching then obviously that all falls on one man's shoulders and that's bill belichick so at the end of the day i i think that it's easier said than done to say that you're gonna fire bill belichick or move on from bill belichick and i'll kind of believe it when i see it but just because of his stature in the organization and football history it's it's really hard to imagine them parting ways with him until you really have that that moment of clarity where you know, Adam Schefter or somebody tweets, you know, the Patriots are parting ways with Bill Belichick in a couple weeks. Yeah, the 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 other scenario that you hear a lot, and I think you even just mentioned it, like personnel decision making. Like, I don't know, does Belichick feel like in the past maybe this was a no, but maybe it's different that someone that would be open to someone above him that has kind of got control on the roster and he can just focus on coaching? Like, Do you get a read on whether he would be open to that? Uh, I don't think he would be simply just because I, I think at the end of the day, it's it's kind of not here nor there because he's going to be the one coaching those players and putting those players into his system anyways. So if you look at Bill's tendencies of how he likes players, you know, just to use a a clear example, at linebacker, they love those Jawan Bentley, Dante Hightowers, you know, those big 250, 255-pound linebackers that can take on blocks and eat up space in the middle of the defense. But the problem is is that those guys are going a little bit extinct in the league, and there's a lot more Matt Milanos running around out there instead of those big linebackers. So if a GM comes in and he drafts one of these modern-age linebackers, is Bill Belichick going to play him? Is Bill Belichick going to make him into a safety uh, like they're doing with their third-round pick, Marty Mapu, who is a linebacker in college but is too small to play linebacker in this system? Those are the types of things that I, I think it makes it difficult to pair Bill with the GM because ultimately Bill is going to play the players that he thinks are best for his team to win football games. And that might not be the vision of the general manager. And if it is the vision of the general manager, then not much is really going to change. Yeah. Real quick, just while we're on the the big picture with new England, before we get to Sunday's game, like how much do you think whether he's there or not affects what their plan is at quarterback? I mean, they are at the moment, they're not in the top two. So Let's just hypothetically say they're not in that Caleb Williams, Drake May territory. What do you think is more likely? Like, do they, if Belichick is still there, like, would they go with a rookie and even one of the non top guys if he is the coach? Or do you think they could, I mean, I don't think Mac Jones is an answer to this, but maybe he could be Zappy or could they go veteran? Like, what do you think his being there impacts the quarterback future? Yeah, what I find fascinating about how they've handled the quarterback position is that they went for sustainability, obviously, by drafting Mac Jones in the first round and thinking that they would have this guy for at least the next four or five years, if not longer, if it worked out. But with Bill being 71 years old, I just find it fascinating that he showed absolutely no interest in a Lamar Jackson or an Aaron Rodgers or somebody of that ilk that could just come in and be ready to go right away. And at 72 years old, even if you envision a world where Drake May is a much better prospect than Mac Jones, it feels like hard to believe that he has the time or the patience to sit there and develop another guy 
and, and wait until you're really in a Super Bowl window. Like you guys know, Josh Allen, great prospect coming out, and the Super Bowl window really didn't start until year three or year four. So at that point, Bill's going to be, what, 75, 76 years old? It just I, I don't see how the timeline lines up for Bill to go into the draft again and, and start over with that quarterback, even if that might be what's best for the long-term future of the organization. Let's just play it out and say they do move on from Bill Belichick in whatever manner that is. Is it as simple as Gerard Mayo becomes the next head coach of the Patriots? He definitely has the inside track. I think the only way that it's not Mayo is if the Crafts feel that the public perception of that move is just going to outweigh what they feel about Mayo, meaning that the fans are just not going to be on board with it and the media is not going to be on board with it and uh, there's going to be a cry of what the heck are they doing, you know, sort of thing. I think the main reasons would would, uh, against Mayo are obviously his inexperience as a coach. He's only been doing this for four or five years. I think 2019 was his first year on staff, and he's never actually called the defense. He's never actually run the defense by himself. And Steve Belichick is the defensive play caller, Bill's son, and then Bill's still here. So how many, how much of a impact defensively is Mayo really having? He has never really run his own defense. And then on top of that, he's a Bill disciple and a defensive head coach. So those are a bunch of different boxes that I don't think people around here necessarily want the Patriots to go in that direction because they want an offensive-minded guy. Uh, they want a, a guy that isn't part of the tree uh, given the failure honestly of the Belichick coaching tree I think a lot of people are afraid of you know him being a Matt Patricia or him being a Josh McDaniels or Joe Judge and uh, that that I think would also not necessarily go over well with the fan base so I think that Gerard Mayo is a tough sell uh, right now to New England like everybody here when we talk about head coaching candidates, wants a Ben Johnson or somebody like that, right? This you know mm-hmm. new offensive-minded guru, young guy, uh, things like that. And uh, Gerard Mayo just doesn't necessarily fit all of those. Uh, you know, he's younger, he's more of a player's coach, but he's not on the offensive side of the ball. What about Sunday, quarterback-wise? Bailey Zappi, right? I'm assuming he's going to start. What have you seen from Bailey Zappi yeah. since he's been inserted into the lineup? Yeah, it'll be Bailey Zappi on Sunday for the Patriots. I, I, I think the biggest things with, with Bailey uh, over Mac at this point is, one, uh, clearly uh, just oh, a lot more poised and a lot more composed in the pocket. Mac Jones, uh, towards the end here, especially against the uh, Colts in Germany, just looked like he was completely flustered and uh, mentally broken standing in the pocket against pressure and uh, facing a ton of pressure against the bad uh, behind a bad offensive line uh, has really taken its toll on him. And I think Bailey Zappi has been more willing to stand in there, more willing to move around in the pocket. He's definitely more agile or more nimble with his pocket movement. So he can dance out of some pressure or buy himself some time by finding air in the pocket. And that's allowed the plays to continue and extend a little bit longer than what they had with Mac Jones, and that's led to more explosive plays. Bailey Zappi has had a lot more plays down the field in a short period of time than Mac Jones did over his 11 starts. Bailey Zappi in four starts already has 12 20-plus yard plays. Mac Jones had 15 in the entire season that he was the Patriots starter. So they're a more explosive offense, and they're a little bit more less turnover-prone right now with Bailey Zappi just because I don't think he's as sped up and as flustered by pressure and it hasn't been significantly better offensively in terms of the the bottom line points yards things like that but it just looks a little bit more functional uh based off the eye test and i think that those 
explosive plays are the main reason why, or at least seeing them hit some big plays down the field and, and put some drives together now. Has there the run game complement while that's all been happening with Ezekiel Elliott in there instead of Ramondre Stevenson with his injury? That has that been able to hold its own? Like how much of it's been that Zappy's kind of helped improve the run, the pass game versus how much has the run game kind of held up? Yeah, I would say it's more Zappy in that respect. You know, since Ramondre Stevenson got hurt, the run game has really not been as effective. Now. In Zeke's defense, a lot of that is, is because teams are game planning to run first against New England, and uh, they're running a lot of like run blitzes and stunts up front to try to get in the backfield and try to throw off their blocking scheme. So uh, they're attacking the line of scrimmage defensively, which has opened up a lot of the passes that Dappy has made down the field, uh, which he deserves credit for making them. But you know, when you're getting single coverage on the outside constantly, because they're more worried about the running game. You know, those opportunities are going to present themselves a little bit more. Uh, Zeke has been good as a receiver. I had that big game against Pittsburgh as a pass catcher at a touchdown last week uh, coming out of the backfield. So that's been a bonus for them. Uh, I think that maybe they weren't expecting out of him. But in terms of running the football, it's been tough sledding for the Patriots uh, since Zappi took over. And I think that more so coincides with Ramondre Stevenson getting hurt. All right, so where does that stand? And I also read earlier that um, Belichick, your colleague over there, Mike Reese, I think I read his tweet where he said that uh, the team was going to go and move practice indoors today. They have a walkthrough, like here in Buffalo, partly because I guess Belichick said they are a bit banged up. So give us an update on where that stands with Stevenson and others who are dealing with some injuries. Yeah, oh, look, uh, last week the Patriots ruled out, well, five guys, and then they placed Connor McDermott, their top swing tackle, on IR before they even made the trip. To, to Denver, right? So that they've got former Bill, by the way. Yeah, former Bill. Yeah, yeah. So uh, guys, uh, you know the big names on that list are uh, Jabril Peppers, uh, who's just been excellent for the Patriots, kind of a, a one of the few bright spots for this team uh, playing safety for New England. Uh, he has a hamstring issue. He didn't travel last week. Hunter Henry didn't travel last week. And then obviously Ramondre didn't travel last week. So those are three really big games for this team. Hunter Henry has been their most reliable pass catcher. He was leading the team in receptions uh, before he didn't play last week. And Douglas, uh, DeMario Douglas, the rookie, passed him. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson's obviously your lead back. And Jabril Peppers has been one of your best defensive players all year. Uh, so those three guys we'll see out at practice today. But I think uh, definitely a shorter practice, a walkthrough tempo indoors. I think the Patriots are going easier on the roster here in Week 17. And uh, it's a big one uh, with, with Henry, I, I would say. You know, Ramondre has a high ankle sprain, had a, a hip drop tackle situation against the Chargers. And uh, I don't think that he's going to be back this year. It's probably not worth risking it uh, for the Patriots. But uh, with Hunter Henry, I, I could see him uh, coming back this week, potentially more of like a, a stinger bone bruise situation on his knee, taking a, a low hit against uh, you know, a few weeks ago against the Chiefs. So uh, I think that that could potentially be a guy that comes back. But uh, those are three big names for New England, three key starters, and, and all three of them uh, didn't even make the trip uh, last week, didn't even travel. So they, they weren't even close to playing against the Broncos. Did they put Stevenson on IR? And if so, they didn't. How come? Uh, no, they haven't put him on IR yet. Um, my guess is, is that they – think that there's a chance he could keep, he could play okay. again. I just personally don't think that it's worth the risk for a running back, right. especially uh, to put him back out there on a bum ankle for a 4-11 and football team. It just doesn't really seem to bode well for them. I, I would assume that 
even if it's another coach here next year, that a guy like Ramondre Stevenson is going to be part of the solution to the Patriots' offensive problems, not somebody that's going to be out the door. So I, I would expect him to be here next year on the last year of his rookie deal, and you don't want to run him into the ground on, on a bad ankle, but uh, they haven't put him on IR, and uh, they haven't put uh, Henry or Peppers on IR either. I, I wouldn't rule out Trent Brown uh, maybe being out of this game as well. He, he only played – about 27% of the snaps last week and, and did not look like himself and has been a little bit of a malcontent on this team right now, frankly. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're down to Vidarian Lowe at left tackle, which has been a big concern as well. All right. I know you got to go real quick. Just want to ask you this because we've gone through this in Buffalo. Are Patriots fans rooting for losses? <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, we. Hmm. I can't tell you, Sal, how many calls, how many emails, mm-hmm. how many replies. Uh, we had after the Denver game with people furious that they won that football yep. game. Like, just absolutely We've been there, man. <laughs> furious. And uh, I, I think the same thing against Pittsburgh as well. And at the time when they beat the Steelers, I said, all right, you know what? Like, they had what, lost five straight games. They were still holding on to the second overall pick because they were at a two-game cushion. And, and, like, it's okay to feel good about a win every once in a while, right? Like, if you go 3-14 and 14 instead of 2-15, and 15, like, what difference is it really going to make at the end of the day? Uh, but now that they've strung a couple wins together, it's if you're into Team Tank and that's your thing, like yeah, yeah they're in jeopardy right now of dropping out of the top five if they keep winning games. And I, I don't know about this mm-hmm. week against the Bills, but uh, they play the Jets here next week in Week 18, and that might be Bill Belichick's last game as the head coach of the Patriots against the team that he loathes that they've beaten, I think, 16 straight times. <laughs> so nice. the odds are that they're probably going to win that game against the Jets. And so now you're looking at – a you know a five win season uh, instead of what looked like a couple weeks ago like a three or four win season and that that could make a big difference come you know April uh, in the draft like that could be the difference between two and six uh, which as you guys know is is a pretty big difference you know mm-hmm. so uh, I think that a lot of fans I'd say ninety five percent of the fans are mad that they beat the Broncos and are not happy about it yeah we've we've lived that before I've been mad plenty oh, yes, of times. For similar situations in, in, in multiple sports, by the way. No yeah. <laughs> All right. Listen, in, enjoy, enjoy Sabres Bruins tonight. Hopefully, we'll enjoy it a little bit more on our end here. The Goatheads, you got to be wary of the Goathead, Evan. The Sabres are wearing their black Goathead jerseys tonight. They typically play well oh. and score a lot of goals in that jersey. Okay. All right. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> All right, buddy. All right. I know you got to run. Thank you very much for this today. We always appreciate you having you on. Anytime, guys. Anytime. All right, Evan Lazar, Patriots.com, Easy Lazar over on Twitter. Follow him over there. He does really good stuff. All 22 breakdown. Check him out. Always good to have him on. All right, we're going to take a time out here. Let's uh, come back. And, Joe, let's, let's get back on this MVP conversation for a second. But also, how about the schedule? I mean, man, lots of stuff on the table, playoff scenarios, the schedule, what it looks like in Week 18. We can do all of that here on the Extra Point Show on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.